Welcome to the Boston College Magazine podcast. I'm John Wolfson, the editor of Boston College Magazine, and I'm joined, as always, by our podcast producer, Paul Dagnello. When Barry Gallup retired from BC last year, it truly marked the end of an era. Gallup was associated with BC football for 46 years. He graduated as one of the school's greatest receivers, setting many single-season and career records, and then spent decades as a successful coach and associate athletic director. For nearly half a century, it was impossible to imagine BC football without Barry Gallup, and we are pleased to welcome him as our guest today. Thank you for joining us on the podcast, Barry. Great to be here, John. Thank you for inviting me. Barry, you were a coach and then an administrator for so long that it's easy to forget how good a football player you were. And one of the things that I was really surprised to learn was that when you graduated, you were actually offered a contract by the old Boston Patriots. That's what the New England Patriots were known as back in the old AFL. Exactly, yeah. And you said no. And you went on to become a teacher. Well, you know, I wanted to get started on my career. You know, pro football wasn't, like it is today, you know, whether it's, you know, salary or opportunities. And you know, the AFL and the NFL had not merged yet. You know, they hadn't, the first Super Bowl, I believe, was in 1969, the year that I graduated. And, you know, they wasn't even sure that the AFL was going to survive. You know, there had been some other leagues before that. And I just wanted to, I knew I wanted to live in Boston and I wanted to get started in my career. And I had a great relationship with the Patriots. I went. I was a ball boy during the summer working at their camp, and I knew the Sullivans, you know, who were there before the Crafts. And, you know, I'm glad. It was a good decision. I have no regrets about that. And you became a teacher. Yes, I was an elementary school teacher. I actually taught at the Hadley School in Swampscott where I went to myself. <laughs> and, you know, the principal there was one of my football coaches. And, it was sort of a transition year because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. After that one year, that's when you started coaching here at BC. Yes. When you start out, at that time, you were a graduate assistant, and the rules were different. You know, freshmen were ineligible. I coached a freshman team. We had a five-game schedule. We played, you know, Harvard and Dartmouth and Holy Cross and either Brown or Yale, you know, somebody locally. And you scouted during the during the you know varsity games, and I was still working for Joe Yukiko, who was the head football coach at BC. Joe was at BC for nine years, and you were the head coach of the freshman team for two years. Is that correct? Yes. And then after that, you went on full time as an assistant on the varsity team. Yes, I coached the defensive line. Everybody laughs about that because you know I played receiver and tight end, and I was always on offense. And we had some pretty good defensive linemen. Freddie Smurlis, who went on to be an all-pro. You know, Joe Nash played 15 years in the league. We just had some good players, you know, but it was an opportunity. And Joe Yukika felt a coach is a coach. Did you find that, not just in your own career, Barry, but as in, in, your, in your long involvement in collegiate football, did you find that a coach is a coach? Yeah, definitely. You know, there weren't as much specialization. You know, we had eight full-time coaches. Well, today... You know, you're allowed 10 and graduate assistants and analysts. You know, the staffs are so big. Mm. And it's just, you know, you know, changed dramatically. So uh, I did feel that it helped you because, you know, you were coaching people and you were 
and you got to know him well, and uh, and you learn more about the game of football. It prepared you more to be a coordinator, to be a head coach, you know, to know as much about other positions as I did. So now you you were with the team for something like twenty years, and as you in, in your first stint, which we'll get to, one of the things that you wound up doing uh, as you worked your way up was being very involved in in recruitment, bringing in players to play for Boston College. And I, I believe that you were involved in the recruitment of the greatest college football player in, in BC's history, Doug Flutie. What was that like? I probably saw more games of Doug Flutie play in other sports than I saw him play <laughs> football. But that was, you know, somewhat the way it was because I don't really like recruiting the way it is right now. You know, you're watching a video and you might, you know, know a player through a camp or something. But, you know, Doug and I became very close. And his high school coach, Tom Lamb, played at uh, Holy Cross. And, mm. you know, Tom and I were very close. And I really trusted the high school coaches a lot. And I thought it was important that, you know, you don't make mistakes, you know, because I, it's not a you know, situation where you can cut recruits. You know, right. you know, they're yours for four years. And, you know, there wasn't as much transfer. The transfer portal is a big thing right now. So, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to take all the credit for Doug because that's not all true. But, you know, we were very close. Uh, you know, I mean, he went to our wedding. I went to his wedding. You know, our first son was named Darren Douglas after Doug originally. That was quite an experience, you know, being it, part of that. It sounds like one way that recruiting has changed a little bit is that you had the opportunity, maybe even a necessity, uh, to kind of know the person. And, and maybe there's not as much of an opportunity now to develop those relationships. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you know, you know, we're offering... And everyone's offering scholarships to sophomores, to juniors, you know, watching high school tape, videotape, mm -hmm. camps, if you know, things like that. And to me, it was important that you know the person. You know, you're making an investment for the next four years, maybe five years if you're redshirting. You know, I used to love to go watch them play basketball because I would watch them, you know, during a timeout. Are they paying attention to their coach? You know, what's their attitude? You know, how are they with their teammates? And, you know, that was really, and you got to be very close to them. You know, uh, I don't know if it was legal or not, but a lot of times when I was on the road recruiting in Pennsylvania or someplace, you know, the parents would say, why don't you stay overnight here? Hmm. You know, because we really want to talk to you more. And and I used to do that. Let's go back to something that you just said. I guess it's easy in retrospect to think, well, of course you recruited Doug Flutie and, and spent all this time developing the relationship. But we look back because we know there's a Heisman. We know there's a NFL career. And, but was his success, uh, the degree of his success, not necessarily a sure thing when you were recruiting him? You know, that's a very good question. You know, can I tell you that I knew he was going to win the Heisman Trophy? No. But I knew he was going to play at BC. You know, he just watching him play, watching him play basketball, watching him play baseball, he was just a great competitor, great leader, you know, and he loved, he was a team player. And, you know, like I mentioned, I always believe in watching how they practice. I believe in, you know, how they get along with other people. And, you know, Doug had great confidence, but, you know, he was a great focus. And, you know, just watching him, you know, you know Tom Lamb told me, Barry, he said, I don't know how good he's going to be, but he's going to play for you. 
You know, he might be a defensive back. He might be a receiver. Wow. And a lot of people don't know this. Doug's first plays at Boston College, he returned punts. But then all of a sudden, you know, the fourth game of the season, his freshman year, you know, we're losing to Penn State 31 to nothing, and we decide to put him in the game. And Tom Coughlin, who went on to be a great coach with the Giants, Tom's in the press box. He's coaching quarterbacks. I'm on the phone. And, you know, you know, Jack says, get Doug ready. He's going in. Tom screams at me on the phone. He says, Barry, what are we doing? And Jack <laughs> says, we're losing 31 to nothing. We can't do any worse than we already do. Let the kid play and see what he can do. We went right down the field and scored a touchdown. And, you know, so, and then, you know, the following week, he, you know, he was the starter. And it was just a, you know, Jack saw the same things that I saw, that he just had leadership ability, you know, the, he had confidence, he had poise, you know, things that are hard to teach. Those are things that, you know, young people either have or they don't have. Uh, so in 1991, uh, you had an opportunity to become the head coach of the Northeastern football team. Um, you had gone to school here, you'd spent you know, 20 years here, and suddenly you have this new opportunity. What's it like to leave and, and go to a new program and also to take a really big job? You're now the, the head coach. Right. You know, a lot of people ask me, why did you do that? And I said, well, I knew at some point I wanted to be a head coach. So, you know, I discussed it with my wife, and uh, she said, are you sure? I said, well, I said, the good thing is we don't have to move. You know, we can raise our children. You know, our three children were you know born then. And it was a good opportunity to find out if I really wanted to be a head coach. And I really enjoyed my experience there. I was there nine years and, you know, I hired a lot of good coaches. I knew how important an assistant coach was. And without going through the whole resume, I had a lot of, you know, Joe Philbin, who went on to be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Mm -hmm. Doug Marone was the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. You know, I knew how important an assistant coach was. So, I took a lot of pride in hiring very good assistants. The only problem we didn't, you know we couldn't pay them very much at Northeastern, so I would lose them after a couple of years, you know. But still, I had good I had good coaches and good experience. And then I interviewed for the Harvard job. A lot of people don't know this, mm. you know. The Harvard job opened up, and I interviewed there. And it was after only three years at Northeastern, and I pride myself in being loyal, and I didn't really want to leave that quickly. But Harvard's a special place, and I interviewed it. And then Northeastern came back and offered me the position of athletic director as well. And my wife thought I was crazy, you know, doing both jobs. And I said, well, I'm not sure really what I want to do. I love coaching, you know, but it's hard to get athletic director's jobs. And if I take it, I'll decide if I want to. And and after three years, I had to make a decision to go one way or another, and I decided I wanted to go back into coaching. What year was it when you decided to come back to BC? 1999. And what was that period like, and what was the transition like, and why did you make that decision? Well, that's a funny thing. We were playing BC my last year at Northeast in 1999, and Tom Coughlin was the football—I'm sorry, Tom O'Brien was the football coach. Mm -hmm. And— you know, we gave him a good game. It was close at the half. And after the field, you're walking across to shake hands. And I had known Tom. And, you know, Tom says, Barry, I want to talk to you about coming back to BC. I said, well, 
Tom, let's talk some other time. We just lost the game. I'm really not interested <laughs> in talking right now. He says, okay, that's a good point. So, you know, we got together in the spring. It was good timing. You know, we had, we had you know, three young children at the time, and it gave me more security. You know, my wife, Victoria, who I met at BC, she was the basketball secretary. She was phenomenal raising our children. And she said, are you sure you want to give up coaching? I said, it's not that I want to give up coaching. I want to be with you and my family for the rest of my life. I, you know, the next 22 years were pretty good. So, <laughs> uh, You had two, essentially two different careers here at BC, a, a one of 20 years and one of 22 years. You mentioned that Victoria, your wife, was with the, the basketball program, and this was something that I didn't know. You yourself played two years on the basketball team for Bob Cousy, the legendary Celtic, and a guy who really helped transform basketball here at BC. And your team went to the Elite Eight. What was that experience like? I mean, what was it like to make it that far in the tournament and to be a part of that that culture? You know, it was amazing because... You know, uh, Bob Cousy was there for six years, and he had six great years. You know, when Bob Cousy came to BC, you know, I mean, he took over a team that was good, and he made it special. We went to six, you know, tournaments in a row, and, you know, we had a you know, freshman basketball team, so freshmen weren't eligible, so I played freshman basketball. It was very unusual to play two sports, but Coach Cousy was great to me, and he saved me a spot the following year. And, you know, it was just a thrill being a part of it. And uh, I can't say I played a lot, but I was on the team that went to the Elite Eight. And it was, and that was, it was just a special time. One of the things, Barry, when I first met you, you helped us out here at Boston College Magazine on a, a big package that we did recently, the 25 Greatest Athletes in BC History. Looking at that experience and, 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 looking at today's athletics, how would you say college sports has changed, and college football in particular, but really all of college athletics has changed from the time you were yourself an athlete and then and then very involved in sort of the coaching and recruitment of players up to, to where we are today? It is dramatically different. You know, there's more sports, there's more games. You know, there was no off-season. Like I mentioned, we had mm. a, a freshman football team, a freshman basketball team, you know, you were eased into it. You know, you weren't playing as freshmen. And BC was so much different then, which was a part of it. You know, I lived on upper campus for four years, you know, because there was no lower campus. Yeah, I tell our players that all the time. <laughs> they said, well, why'd you live on upper campus? I said, there was no choice, you know. But you got to know everybody. I mean, the students went to watch you play basketball and hockey. It was a big thing. You know, you didn't have as many other things to do. You didn't have the lower campus. You didn't have a recreation center, you know, he just had, it was just a different institution than it is today. What kinds of reaction and feedback did you get after that list of 25 greatest athletes came out? Uh, you were a, a part of a five member panel that helped select those athletes. We certainly got a, a lot of feedback and input from, from ma magazine readers. What did you hear? Well, I thought it was a great article. I thought it was very well done. You know, there's always going to be different opinions no matter what the thing is. And, you know, and there's some sport prejudice too. Like, you know, you know, how can you not have these guys? And even the football people, how did you not have, you know, these five guys? I said, well, 
It's not going to be the best 25 football players. Mm. It's all sports, and you have to take that into consideration. And, you know, I thought we did a nice job. And, I, you know, I mean, we spent a lot of time on it, had two or three meetings, and, you know, and there were a lot of good athletes, you know, you know, throughout the one you're talking with all those years. And, you know. We could have done 50 athletes and had plenty, absolutely. couldn't we? Yeah. And, you know, it, it's just that it's, and some of the sports started later. And, right. You know, some of the sports are very strong right now. You know, like women's lacrosse wins the national championship. We didn't even have women's lacrosse 25 years ago. Right. So, you know, so you try to balance that. But I thought it was I thought it was great. When, you know, we had a good people, Reed Oslin, Donna Bennett, John Kane, you know, Derek Knight. We had we had people, a good cross-section of athletes. I'm glad we did it. I was looking forward to it. You know, we should write a book on all the responses we had. In your experience, what makes BC, what makes it unique in terms of its football culture and passion that the that the fan base has, the alumni have? and But all of our sports, what, what makes Boston College kind of a unique institution? Maybe not every sport, but the majority of sports were so different than everybody else we're competing against. How so? You know, we're the most northern school in the conference in football. You know, a lot of those southern schools in the conference, they're in states where there's no pro team. And if you look at the number of sports they sponsor, I think that's the biggest difference. We have more sports than anyone else you know, 31 varsity sports. So I think that's the thing that makes BC, I don't care what sport it is. I look at hockey. I mean, how many Division One schools have ice hockey? And we not only have ice hockey, we're in one of the most competitive leagues right. in the country. And the other hockey schools, you know, you know, they either don't have football or they play at the one AA level. Mm. And, uh, you know, so that's a challenge that we have. You know, I mean, we're in New England and we have skiing, you know, but I mean, none of the other ACC schools have ski. You know, so I think it's different, but it's good. I I, I think that's what BC is all about is, you know, our alumni wants to win the national championship. And, you know, yeah, we'd love to do like lacrosse would do. And we've had some great years in all of our sports. Mm -hmm. But it, it is a challenge and it's a challenge for all reasons, you know, and and we're doing a good job, you know, with, you know, facilities are much better now, you know, the commitment to all the sports, but it, but it, it, but it spreads you thin. I mean, there's, you know, and we've had change in administration that hasn't been easy, you know, having, you know, three athletic directors in the last five years. And, you know, that's a challenge. And people say, well, why are they leaving? Well, they, you know, they're for good jobs. I right. mean, you know, you can't, you know, criticize Martin, you know, for going out to UCLA. You can't criticize Pat. I mean, you know, Pat went to school in the Big Ten. He's from the Midwest. Penn State's one of the <coughs> top 10, 15, 20 schools in the country athletically. You know, but it's a challenge without a doubt. It's interesting. You brought up the facilities, something like the the, the new field house, the new basketball pavilion that's being built, the new baseball facilities. How do those things help? Uh, why are they important to the programs? Well, I don't think, I don't think any of the of those programs. Uh, that's a t- sort of a tough thing to say. Would survive without them? Hmm. You know, you have no chance. I mean, basketball. We're, I mean, football. We're in the New England where the weather is a challenge, and you know, some of the schools in the ACC have an indoor facility just for recruiting. You know, you're in Miami or Florida State, except when you have hurricanes or something. You don't, 
you know, you don't have the, you know, winters we have. You and your wife had three children, and the youngest, Barry Jr., he strayed pretty far from home when it came to choosing a college. I didn't say about Barry. I didn't. I wasn't hiding it, but he went to Notre Dame, had a great <laughs> career at Notre Dame. He did play football. He was recruited by football. And I remember when we visited Notre Dame, and we were on the campus visit, you know, we thought he was going to Harvard originally. My wife wanted him to go to Harvard, but we wanted him to go where he wanted to go. And we were walking around the campus, and and my wife, you know, says, you know, Barry went to the restroom or something. She says, he really likes it. What are we going to do? I said, we're going to let him do what he wants to do because I'm not going to have him have any regrets. And I said, it's pretty nice. I like it too. So, <laughs> you know, one thing I had to deal with was when my son was playing at Notre Dame and people would ask me, who are you rooting for? <laughs> who's, you know, who's my wife rooting for? And she answered very quickly. I'm rooting for Barry Gallup Jr. That's what she said. And I said, well, I have a job. I, I, I said, I'm going to root for BC, but I hope my son does well. And uh, it was hard, though. He returned kickoffs for Notre Dame. And his junior year, he returned them right out here in Alumni Stadium. That, wow. was, that, was, a, that, that was mixed emotions, I will tell you. We have more Notre Dame stuff around my house than we would do BC, but I have... I have two grandchildren. I'm going to work on them a little bit, too. So, Barry Jr. and his wife have two young children, and they're building a house right next to you, right? Two streets from where we live. So we're <laughs> going to be built-in babysitters. I hope he knows what he's getting because we're going to be there. No, I'm only kidding. We're going to be there whenever they want us to be there. So, It sounds like it's been a heck of a ride for you here at BC, Barry. I say my experience as a student, as an athlete, as a future employer, I mean, just the fact that I, you know, met my wife, I played for Bob Cousy, I worked for nine head coaches at BC, raised a wonderful family, have great memories, you know. Uh, the best thing I did was get married and married a wonderful woman, and she's been the strength of our family, and she's, you know, we made an agreement is I was going to retire in June. That had been enough. And, you know, and she never pressured me, but she says we're going to take a trip to London. And we took a 12-day a, uh, trip to London, you know, right after we had, we had retired. So, Well, Barry Gallup, thanks so much for coming in today. We really appreciate it. I really appreciate, you know, having the opportunity to speak about my experience and I love BC. It's a special place with special people. And I'm going to miss everyone, but I'm not going to be very far. So 